Uh, today we're going to move into chapter 8 of the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to look at this uh, parable of what I would call the soils. Uh, chapter 8 of the Gospel of Luke. We'll read it together in just a moment. But first, let's uh, ask the question, what is a parable? What is a parable? Well, the New Testament is filled with the parables that our Lord used to teach about the kingdom of God. And the word parable is two words, para, uh, which means uh, alongside, and, the, and bala, parable, is, to means to, to hurl or to throw. So Jesus is throwing a truth at you, okay? Kind of like throwing you a football and saying, catch, all right? And he's using a very simple, uh, common uh, kind of cultural uh, parable to help us understand eternal truth. So we have uh, a temporal kind of uh, parable, but with eternal truth. And today, he's going to talk about the parable of the sower, it's sometimes called. Sometimes it's called the parable of the seed, and sometimes it's called the parable of the soil. And today, I'm going to emphasize the soil aspect of this great uh, parable of our Lord. All right, let's uh, read God's Word together, beginning in chapter 8, and uh, we're going to read verses 4 to 8. When a large crowd was coming together, and those from the various cities were journeying to him, he spoke by way of a parable. Now, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's all you need to grab from the word parable. I went into all that other explanation just to let you know that I studied Greek in seminary. But uh, take this home with you. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And here's the earthly story. It's very earthen what he's about to, about to share with us. The sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil. Now if a if a farmer's going to sow seed in Bible days, you can imagine a huge sack with a lot of seed in it, and he's casting it like this. He's not using a tractor. He's not using a plow that sets the seed in the soil where we exactly want it to be. He's casting. He's casting seeds. So he goes out to sow, and he sows, and some fell beside the road. Um, many, many of the Farms and uh, gardens and so forth in the Bible days had paths down the middle and the sides of their little farms. And that was so that neighbors could walk through. Uh, you remember the passage in the Bible that says, always leave some of your harvest so that those who are journeying, those who don't have a place called home, when they come down this path, they'll be able to pick some corn or some wheat or grape or whatever you've sown there. So this path would be a, a common place where people walk, uh, much like you have a path uh, down the farm that, that you would walk on as well. So some of the seed falls beside the path, beside the road, and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. The second seed, other seed fell on rocky soil. And this is why I'm emphasizing 
the soil aspect of this parable because it has to do with how we receive the seed, how we respond to the seed. Other fell on rocky soil. As it grew up, it withered away because it had no root or moisture to it. Number seven, this is verse seven, this is the third seed, or third soil. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. And other seed <coughs> fell in the good soil, and it grew up, and it produced a crop a hundred times as great. And he, as he said these things, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Will you join me in prayer? Father, may we hear the word of God today. May our eyes be open, may our ears be attentive to the sown seed of the gospel, Christ with us. May our lives be open to change. May our hearts be willing to make adjustments so that this seed can be planted and a harvest come through us as you would desire. As we go and not only become disciples of yours, but make disciples of others as well. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Not only does Jesus give the, um, the, the parable, but he also gives an interpretation of the parable. His disciples began questioning him as to what this parable meant. And he said, to you it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So this earthly story now is going to have a heavenly, a kingdom of God meaning. Uh, to others, a parable is given, seeing that they may not see and hearing they may not understand, which is a fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Now think about that for a minute. As the sower goes out to sow the seed, is there something wrong with the seed that it does not produce a harvest in three out of four soils? Is there a problem with the seed? You know, if you plant bad seed, you're not going to get a good harvest. Is there something wrong with the seed? And the answer is no. Because the seed is the very Word of God. It is God's word to us. The seed is truth. The seed is God's spoken word that abides forever. Grass withers, flowers fade, but the word of our God abides forever. The seed, he says, is the word of God. Those beside the road, that's the first soil, are those who have heard, and then the Satan comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. This is the first soil of response, and we might call that a tempered response. That's the first point of our message today. Those who have heard the gospel message, the saving gospel of Jesus Christ, and say, no, it's not for me. Now, why would anybody say no to, to Jesus Christ? Well, many people do. In fact, most people will say no to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Only one of the four soils said yes to, to the gospel. Those on the rocky soil, that's the second kind of soil, 
are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. Oh boy, I've got something new in my life. This is neat, what Jesus is teaching and saying and what they're teaching at church. That's all wonderful and neat and new to me. I think I'll hang around for a while. But they have no root. Now last Sunday, we made this statement. Your root determines the fruit. Your root determines the fruit. Where you plant yourself, what nurtures you, produces the fruit in your life. Just as water nurtures the root, just as nutrition in the soil nurtures the root, what nurtures you produces whatever kind of harvest or whatever kind of um, plant or whatever kind of um, uh, crop that, that you're going to have. So what, what nurtures you? What feeds you? Where are you rooted? What do you look to that nurtures you in a way that you become more like a disciple of Christ? They believe for a while and in temptation they fall away. The seed which fell among the thorns, that's the fourth kind of soil. These are the ones who have heard and as they go on their way they are choked with worries and riches and the pleasures of this life. The Bible teaches there are three enemies of the Christian, sex, power, and money. And he particularly mentions those here. And they bring no fruit to maturity. But here's the good news. And here's your option and my option for today. But the seed in the good soil, he says... These are the ones who've heard the word in an honest and a good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with patience, with perseverance, with courage, unfailing. The only thing God asks of us as we follow Christ is not that we be perfect and not that we outperform anybody else, but that we remain faithful. And that's the soil that produces the most fruit here. So the fruit, the, the soil rather, that of, of the first response to the gospel is a simple no. He said they will not believe and be saved. We say no in a lot of ways to the gospel. Hard to believe it, but anything but a yes is a no. Some people say, well, I want to be saved, but not today. Folks, that, that, that's a no. That's a no. Some people say, I want to be a Christian, but I've got this thing going in my life. Or, I've noticed hypocrites in the church, and I've noticed the behavior of Christians, and I've seen them act like non-Christians, and I don't want to be like that, so I'm not going to really be saved yet. Folks, that's a no. That's a no. Some people will respond with a no by saying, and I hear this clearly, I've always been a Christian. I was born a Christian. My grandparents were Christians and went to church. My parents were Christians and went to church. And uh, I was born a Christian. No, you were born a sinner. The Bible says we have all sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. No grandparent and no parent, no cousin, no aunt or uncle can be Christian for us. Each of us has to decide yes or no to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, what is this seed? What is this gospel? It is the truth that, number one, God loves you. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Those who believe in him, those who have trusted him as Savior and Lord, know that God loves you. God desires you. God wants to have a love relationship with you that lasts for all of eternity. He doesn't want you to die because that's the second truth of the gospel. We've all sinned. God is holy. We are sinners. We can't live in God's holy heaven. And the wages of our sin is death, the Bible says. But that's not what God wants for you. That's not what God wants for you. The fourth truth is that God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Instead of us having to die, Christ died for us. He took our place on the cross when he died for our sin. He took our punishment upon himself. He allowed death to be his own in our place. But then when he died, the Father raised him on the third day from the dead, conquering death itself. And so now your enemy has been conquered and your enemy called death has been destroyed by the resurrection of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's how much God loves you. He was willing to give His only begotten Son that you might live forever with Him. That's what God wants for you. And the good news is this. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, will be saved. Examine your heart today and ask yourself, have I surrendered my life to Christ? And if I ask Him to come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior and to forgive me of my sin, have you, have you made that decision yet to surrender your life to Christ? You see, to receive the gospel is like being a soil that's open and receptive to the good news of salvation. Yes, Lord, I want to be saved. Yes, Lord, I want you to be my Savior, and I want to follow you as my Savior and my Lord. Now, there are others who have said no in very uh, crafty ways. Some have said no by, by saying partly yes and partly no, like one foot in and one foot out. I'll follow God if, I'll love God if, I will serve the Lord if. I'll make, you know, it's like making a deal with God. God, if you'll do this in my life, then, uh, then I will follow you. And that's the second kind of response to the gospel. And it's another way of saying no. Jesus said, these have no firm root. Now, I've heard it all my life. I live in a Christian nation. Now, what does that mean, that I live in a Christian nation? Or that America is a Christian nation. Well, it may mean something like this. The percentage of Christians who own a Bible but don't read it, you have any idea of what percentage that is? Surveys have been done, and it's upward toward 80% of Christians who have a Bible but say they never read it. Folks, that's a temporary response. And that's the second kind of soil, a temporary response response I want what God has for me I want the blessings of being a Christian but I don't want to be totally surrendered to Jesus I have other priorities I have other plans for my life I have other goals 
rather than serving the Lord with all of my life. Do you know what percentage of Americans have running shoes but don't run? 87%. I've got a pair in my closet at home. I'm one of those runners that I own running shoes, but I don't run. And so many have claimed to be a follower of Christ and say, yeah, I was born a Christian, always have been, or my family are Christians or went to church, or I live in a Christian nation, but I don't serve the Lord. 90% of Meade County will not be in the house of God today. 90% of Meade County will not be in the house of the Lord today. Not only is there a temporary response, but there's also a temporal response, a temporal response, meaning worldly. I want God, but I want the blessings more than I want God. I want the gifts that God gives me, but not the giver to be my Lord and to follow Him in a sold-out kind of way. I read some interesting quotes this week. One said, the blessings of God often stump our growth. In other words, God pours out His blessings upon us, and we want the gifts that He gives, but we don't want to conform to the image of Christ. Because if I conform to the image of Christ, that means that I might lose some friends here in this world. Uh, Other friends that I hang out with, people that have different values than the Scripture, uh, people that see God differently than from what the Bible says. I may lose some friendship with them. It may cost me something. But I'm here to tell you straight up, to follow Christ will cost you. Jesus said straight up to the multitudes of people that he fed, he fed the 5,000, and the more he fed them chicken dinners or taco, beef, uh, um, fish tacos or whatever he, he fed them, uh, the bread and the... And the, and the um, uh, the, the, the fish and the, and the bread. The more that he fed them, the, the greater the crowd was. But when he asked them to deny themselves daily and take up their cross and follow me, the crowd began to thin out. And we have to ask ourselves the question, are we serving God because of the benefits that I get, or are we serving God because of who God is? Are we loving him because he loves us? Someone has said the face of God is not his hands. Listen to this carefully. The face of God, not his hands, is where we find the glory that other things fail to provide. Do we want what God gives or do we want God himself? How many of you growing up, your parents said to you now, you're not to have any sweets before supper. You know, don't, don't eat the cookies, stay out of the candy jar, stay out of the cookie jar before, before supper because you have to have eat your vegetables and the cornbread and the butter beans and all those good things that young people like. <laughs> um, how many of you ha- heard that from your parents? Leave the sugar alone. Right. Why? Why did they say that to you? Because if you eat a cookie or a piece of cake or coconut pie, I'm getting hungry just sitting here thinking about all this. If you eat that before you eat a nutritious meal, what does it do to your appetite? Kills your appetite, doesn't it? 
And so you miss out on what's really healthy for you. Because that sugar will give you a temporary high. It produces chemicals in your brain that feel good and make you feel good. But it's only short-lived. And you miss out on the things that nurture you. The fruit, the vegetables, the cornbread, the meat, etc. And I think a lot of times we miss out on God's Word and what God wants for us because we have substituted sugar things in this world as a temporary feel-good. What do you mean by that, preacher? Now, don't raise your hand. But honestly, are you studying God's Word and reading God's Word now more than you did last year? Are you serving God in a more fulfilled place now than you were a year ago or two years ago? And the question becomes, what sweet things have you been taking into your life that are not bad? TV's not bad. Internet's not bad in itself. These are sweet things that take up our time, that we enjoy, that we tend to do a little more and a little more, and we tend to God's Word and receive God's Word less and less. These are things that will spoil your appetite for God. And so this is a temporal or a worldly kind of response to the Word of God. Now, there's one word that all three of the first soils have in common, and it is the word self-absorbed. When we are the kind of soil that is self-absorbed, we are non-productive as a Christian. We're not bearing fruit. We're not becoming more and more like the Christ. And Jesus calls on us to make sacrifices so that we can serve him better and receive from him the Holy Spirit courage to live through the next learning lesson that the Lord has for us. So I want to talk about this healthy soil and the word of God. A healthy soil will hear the gospel and receive the gospel of Christ and say, I treasure the gospel more than anything else in this world. Paul, the apostle, had it made in terms of education, community status, power. He had it made, but he didn't have Jesus. And he knew in his heart that something was still missing in his life. And when he was confronted by Christ and knelt and prayed and gave his life to the Lord and followed him the rest of his life, he said, all these things I used to have that I can brag about. In the book of Corinthians, he would brag about all the good stuff he had in life. He said, I count all of this, what? Loss compared to knowing Christ personally as my Savior and my Lord. We hear the gospel and we treasure the gospel because one, it is imperishable. The word of the Lord endures forever. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 25. In verse 23, Peter said, The word is life-changing. This gospel is the only thing that can transform me and change me from the inside out. 
TV cannot transform me. Internet cannot transform me. All the sweet things and habits and hobbies and stuff we've got going in our world do not transform me on the inside. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to do that because it is the very living word of God in us. All of Scripture, the Bible says, is inspired by God and profitable, profitable, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. The gospel is life-changing. It is a guide to how to live every day. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, the psalmist says. It will produce courage in your life. It will produce faith in your life. Uh, read this morning from Isaiah chapter 51 and verse 15. The Lord said, I put my word in you and I will protect you. I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry. Trust me and trust the word that I have planted in your life. And that means what the Bible teaches, that the word of God is giving us now a purpose and a meaning in this life. The purpose and meaning of life is not to accumulate stuff. If accumulation of things made us happy, then we would somehow register on the happiness scale the happiest people in the world. But did you know that surveys will show that around the world, uh, tribes and cultures and nations of people who have the least are the happiest people. And the society that is least happy in this world are Americans. Scientific proof. This is not a Christian study. This is sociology. Just pure sociology. We are the least happy people in the world. We are also the most anxious people in the world. And we live in a most anxious time in all the history of this world. Those who are using prescriptions and off-the-counter things to help us sleep at night and to be calm is up 25% just in the last two years since COVID has struck our nation. And God has a word for us. I don't say that to condemn anyone. I say that to say we can be the total response soil that God wants us to be when we hear the gospel and when we value the gospel. And we value it so much we allow this word of God to transform us and to change our life. Another thing about the gospel is that we are to hear it and to believe it. This good news, this saving grace of God is not only to be heard, but it is to be believed and received. That's the difference in the total response soil and the other three soils. Is that the fourth soil, receive the word of God and let it nurture and transform in the soil. And then next, we are to faithfully commit to the gospel. He says we are to stay in training, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. Here, the Apostle Paul, as he wrote the book of Romans, say in chapter 12, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a holy and living sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So we have a caution from the Lord today. We have a caution that we do not allow the Word of God that will teach us the will of God and the way of God, that we do not allow other things to become a substitute for this treasure. Other things are like eating sweets before we eat the nourishing meal. What are those sweeteners in your life that you become adjusted to or addicted to or cling to or desire more than you desire the Word of God? And if you want to give yourself a test, ask yourself, am I happy? Am I at peace? Am I at rest in the Lord? Folks, that's the, that's the product. That's the harvest of the gospel to bring you peace in your life. Is there a desire in your life to see someone else to come to know Christ? Does it disturb you? Does it bother you? Does it, does it just gnaw at your heart? that you have family members that are not saved? Does it burden you somehow? If it does, then the word has been firmly planted in your heart. If there's something in your soul that wants to see more people come to know Christ and to know him as saving your Lord, then you're on the right trail. Do you long for God? And do you long for more of him? Does God seem quiet in your life and, and you're just searching still for more of God? Then congratulations. The gospel is being planted and growing in your life. Because folks, it is the Holy Spirit of God in you that's calling you through your circumstances, through where, wherever you are in your spiritual growth, that's calling you to a closer walk and relationship with Him. And if there's something inside of you that's saying, I really want more of God. I really want more of Jesus in my life. Then congratulations. The gospel is rooted in you, and he's opening up for you a whole new adventure in his word and his way and his transformation that we might become more like Christ who is the gospel with us. I want to close by asking this question. Are you saved? Have you had that experience with the Lord where you surrendered your life to Him? Remember, God loves you. But we can't live with God in His holy heaven forever because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of our sin is death. The good news is that God loves you so much that he demonstrates his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if you will believe with your heart, confess with your mouth, and that's why we give an invitation so that you can come forward. That's your way of confessing publicly. I want to give my life to Jesus. And I'll pray a prayer with you so that you can begin that journey this morning. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You're just one step away from being saved. Will you be that receptive soil? Someone over here. Someone in here. Someone over here. 
Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the seed of the gospel that is eternal, life-transforming, guiding us, molding us, transforming us. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And I pray in the power of the Holy Spirit that your conviction will reign in this worship service so that so, souls who have not yet given their life to Jesus will come forward this morning and say, I want to be saved. I want to give my life to Christ. I pray they'll come today. May they come now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Akron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.